You're listening to the ELT Practitioner Podcast, the show that brings teachers from all over the world together with your host, Rosita. Hi, welcome to yet another episode on uh, the ELT Practitioner this time we're going to take a look at how to engage students on Zoom. Now, not so long ago, I embarked on a project that involved teaching a group of elementary level English diploma students at higher education. Now, these classes were meant to be delivered completely online via a meeting platform called Zoom. Um, students and teacher gathered for five and a half hours each day for English lessons with a 45-minute break in between. Now, needless to say, as pleased as I was to be participating in this venture, I must confess to the anxiety of taking on the gargantuan task of trying to engage learners for at least five hours online. Uh, prior to the first lesson, I made sure that I had planned my lesson meticulously and prepared an arsenal of materials to fill up the hours. I may have overplanned my lesson, but in my mind, it was better to be overprepared than under. So I was nervous to meet my students, as I always am with any first lesson. I asked myself, what were they like? But I shoved aside any sort of assumptions of my group of learners and organised for a positive first impression. Now, thankfully, my first lesson went well with my class, which involved learners from mostly China, uh, one Moroccan and one Vietnamese. Now, I was faced with the challenge of how to keep the learning momentum for five hours each day for six weeks. Being a veteran teacher, I was already very familiar with managing the classroom in a physical space. Online, I was confronted with several hurdles. Number one, how do I break them up for pair and group work? There are no physical tables where students could get up and move at the snap of my fingers. Number two, how do I implement jigsaw listening and reading activities where in the physical world students receive different cutouts and complete their missing information respectively without the others having a peek at the answers. Number three, how do I conduct individual interviews during mock speaking tests while keeping the others busy? Number four, how do I facilitate games virtually? As I would in a physical classroom. And number five, how do I employ remote proctoring during tests and examinations? Now, as there was no training involved, save for a couple of fleeting induction sessions, I convinced myself that the best learning opportunity usually comes in the form of trial and error. And the learning for me did not disappoint. 
prior to this, my experience with Zoom had only been as host, assigning remote control to students for interactive participation and the occasional breakout room for private discussions. I had taught both adult and young learners on this platform and lessons usually lasted for an hour or two at the most, never for five consecutive hours. So after six weeks of experimentation and discovery, I have learned that, number one, breakout rooms on Zoom serve as virtual discussion tables for learners. Students need to be familiar with the habit of doing pair and group work early. Now, this will save a lot of time and effort in future without the lecturer having to explain how breakout rooms work and having to deal with students who do not know what to do when pair or group tasks start. Breakout rooms may require some initial monitoring, but if students are independent enough to be able to manage tasks on their own without frequent prompting, then the lecturer may be free to move around from room to room to assist students. Now, this setup is very similar to the teacher flitting from one table to another when supervising learner-centered activities. At the same time, I was pleasantly surprised to discover that I could not only shuffle the students to work with different partners or group members, but I could also assign these roles manually. Um, towards the end of the course, as soon as I opened up the breakout rooms, Students immediately knew what they had to do once they entered their rooms. Number two, depending on the university or school they are in, hosts may or may not have the authority to send files to students via the chat box. A screen sharing to all breakout rooms may not work if student A has to have a different worksheet from student B or C. A workaround to this is to email individual students their handouts according to who they are supposed to pair up or work with and getting them to interact with each other using these emailed handouts. In, in my experience, it worked like a charm. With jigsaw group activities, I made sure that group A... B or C were in the same breakout rooms where they had to discuss the questions they were going to ask their respective partners later. Now, once this stage was done, students A, B and C were then grouped together in different breakout rooms to begin their activities. I have discovered again that this virtual arrangement was very much parallel to moving learners around in the physical tables during student-centered tasks, such as these. So, another win. Number three. In the physical classroom, students could be assigned tasks to do while the teacher's attention is elsewhere with other learners. Likewise, this could also easily be organized online while the teacher is in a breakout room attending to one or more students. However, there could be one drawback. Instead of doing what they're tasked to do, what if students decided to 
focus their attention elsewhere while waiting for the teacher to finish. If this becomes an issue, then one possible solution would be to use a platform such as Socrative, where the lecturer or teacher is able to see in real time whether or not students are attempting the tasks assigned to them and how they perform as they do their tasks. Now, fortunately, I have the luxury of using my smartphone and tablet to log in and monitor student activities when they are unsupervised. However, for teachers who have access to only one piece of equipment, this could be achieved with the teacher being in the breakout room while having another window open on the same screen with Socrative running in the background. A word to the wise, using Socrative necessitates some preparation on the teacher's part to produce the exercises that students need to complete on this platform. Number four, five hours is unquestionably far too long for anyone to be sitting or standing facing a screen. As such, it is imperative for students to take consistent breaks to be able to concentrate for such long periods of time. Apart from varying my activities during lessons, including incorporating cahoots at regular intervals, I have discovered that many of the games that are usually implemented in the physical space could also be done in the virtual classroom. Classics such as board pelmanism, hangman, dice of fortune and the traditional board games can be in integrated virtually into online lessons. Note that, however, some of the games may require the host to allow participants to control the screen remotely. Number five. At the end of the term, students had to sit for a summative assessment in the form of a main exam which was to be conducted completely online. Now the exam policy dictated that candidates had to utilise two pieces of equipment, one with a camera to be used as a tool for invigilation and the other with a screen for the candidate to complete the exam. An example perspective setup could look like this, with the camera behind the student hands on the keyboard and the computer screen visibly positioned. There are some online proctoring systems and software that the university or school could subscribe to. However, when I did this, I had to do a dummy run with my students so that they would be prepared with their equipment on the exam day itself. Of course, there is no foolproof way of knowing whether the candidate is cheating or otherwise, but it does help to emphasise and remind students of the importance of academic honesty. So, to sum up, as intense as the term was, I truly enjoyed the experience and it was lovely interacting with people who were kind enough to sit through the lessons patiently with me. It was a relatively high learning curve for me, but certainly one I would not hesitate to experience again. 
Thanks for joining us this week on Reflections of an ELT Practitioner. Make sure that you visit the website at eltpractitioner.com where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you have found value in this show, we'd appreciate it if you'd simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.